2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. We are going to go ahead and dismiss our youth at this time, our junior high and senior high classes. Could go to their place. And those that remain, would you stand together with me in honor to the reading of the word? We're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3. Remember, young people, you're to take your chairs with you. So thank you for doing that. 2 Peter chapter 3. We'll read two verses of Scripture here, verse 17 and verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and verse 18. Amen. If you had not, uh, have not already had an opportunity uh, to listen to last Thursday's message, if you were not here to hear it live, uh, what a powerful, powerful lesson was taught last Thursday by Brother Walker when a no is better than a yes. And I would challenge you, if you have not heard it, to hear it, and if you have heard it, to re-listen to it. Just a wonderful message, great, great message. Appreciate Brother Walker for delivering that. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, Ye therefore, and then I love the pause in the verse, these, this word between the two commas, it says, Ye therefore, beloved. It's a reminder that we are loved. Seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, your own steadfastness, your own faithfulness. Be careful. But instead, verse 18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. And let the church say amen. Amen. I believe that it's the will of God for us to grow, to grow in Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and tell him, grow up. Grow up. Amen. Some of you, I heard you say it with a little attitude. Next week, I'm going to be talking about attitude check. So, amen. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the privilege of being together in this place to worship you and, Lord, to hear your word. I'm asking that your spirit that dwells within me would lead me and guide me to speak your word and not my own. Help us to have an ear to hear what the spirit will say to the church and to grow. Lord, as a result of hearing the word, the hearing of the word will inspire faith in our hearts and we are to walk by that faith and not by sight. And I believe that it is your will for each and every one of us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ as well as for us collectively as a church body to grow in maturity and to grow numerically. We believe this, we pray it, and we look forward to what your word is going to tell us tonight concerning it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise God. Grow up. This is a subject that um, I feel pretty passionately about, uh, primarily just for my own life. I want to make sure that I am growing, continually growing. Um, and I, I've spoken on this subject before and taught from this subject, so it's not really anything necessarily new. But it is something that I believe that the Lord would like us to hear tonight, to grow up. It is characteristic of the righteous to grow. Uh, the people of God, they, 
they, the character or their identity, their hallmark is that they are growing. It's not in decline. It's not in stag stagnation. In fact, here's just three scriptures quickly. Job chapter 17, verse 9. The word of God says, The righteous also shall hold on his way. He that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. Amen. We have strength, but guess what? We're going to go from strength to strength. We're going to grow stronger and stronger. Not weaker and weaker. In Psalm 84, verse 7, it says they go from strength to strength. In Proverbs 4, 18, it says, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more. It is the will of God for his people, God's people, to grow from strength to strength, stronger and stronger, to shine brighter and brighter. There is a progressiveness that should be characteristic of the people of God, the church of God, that we are not stagnant, that we are not backsliding, but that we are moving ever continually, some will say forward, amen, that we are moving forward, that we are progressing, that we are growing. Uh, admonishments to grow are found all throughout the Word of God. Here's one of those places. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, that we henceforth be no more children that are tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, while it doesn't have the words grow up in that verse, by implication, when he says, don't be children anymore, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow beyond the place where you're wishy-washy in your faith, where you're, you, you might be in today but might be out tomorrow, might be at church this week but there's no telling if you'll be here next week. It is time for you to no longer be children that are easily tossed to and fro, but that you are growing, that you are not swayed by every wind of doctrine, every idea, every philosophy, every teaching that's out there that perhaps comes in the name of Christianity, perhaps comes in the name of Christ himself, but really it is not of Christ, it is not of his body. You see, children are easily swayed. They are what we would say gullible. They are vulnerable to, to do doctrinal errors, but those that have grown up are no longer victims of false doctrine. But understand that growing does not happen accidentally. Spiritually growing does not happen simply because, uh, just simply because we call ourselves Christians or even necessarily because we were born again. It's not going to happen by accident and oftentimes we will come against things that will try very hard to stop us from growing. They are hindrances to growth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 2, the apostle, he speaks of these things and he tells us to lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Now this list is not exhaustive, but this list is to give you a picture of things that perhaps easily cling to your life, even though you've been born again into the kingdom of God, even though you have been brought into the family of God by the spirit of adoption, these things can still cling to your life like barnacles on the bottom of a boat. 
They could try to hold on to us, but the apostle, he says, you've got to make an intentional, concerted effort to lay aside these things that characterized your life before Christ, but should not characterize your life after Christ. Malice and guile and hypocrisies, envies and evil speakings. Verse 2, but he says, here's the antidote for it. Here's, here's the cure for uh, immaturity. As newborn babes, he says, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow. Everyone say grow. That ye may grow thereby. You should have a desire for the word of God. Like an infant child desires its mother's milk. You ought to have this desire. What happens when the baby's not fed? cries. It won't be comforted until it gets what it wants. And he says, as a newborn child desires that nutritious uh, meal, you've got to have a desire in your heart for the Word of God. We ought to revisit and, and, and re-examine and, and remind ourselves of the value of the Word of God. This is not some archaic book of antiquity that has no relevance to our present day society this book right here has the ability has the potential the probability of speaking into your life when you pick up this book and read its pages it will touch your heart but more than touch your heart it will feed your soul it will transform your thought life. It will transform your attitudes and your actions. And even your attire will change. Why? Because you get into this book. This is not simply one of the things on a to-do list that we just need to check off so that we can go about our day. No, this is life. This is the bread that nourishes the soul of the believer. You've got to have the Word of God. And I pray, in fact, right now, I want us to take a moment. And would you just bow your head? And I, I want you to pray sincerely with me that we would be reminded, we would remember, that we would make a recommitment to the Word of God. Lord, I thank you for your Word. I thank you, Lord, for the availability of your Word. And because it is so available, sometimes we take it for granted. Because it's available in print, on app, it's available just about anywhere we go in 21st century America. Lord, we do not want to take it for granted because it's so familiar and so available. But we need to be reminded, Lord, and make a new commitment to eating the Word of God. Not just reading it, but consuming it and allowing it to metabolize in our soul and become a part of who we are. Lord, we want the Word. We want to be as you were in the world. You were the living, manifest Word of God. And Lord, we must be the walking, living, breathing Word of God to our society today. Help us, O oh Lord, to read and to study the Word. Somebody say in Jesus' name. He says you will grow. You will grow when you start desiring the Word, when you start reading the Word. But there are hindrances to this growth. Some hindrances are, and this is just a, not, not an exhaustive list, but just a short list. If we have an absence of spiritual leaders, we don't have leaders that will feed us the word or lead us spiritually. Uh, some examples are when Moses was on the mountain, he was spending time with the Lord. But even during that time, when they were at Mount Sinai, at the foot of the mountain, we find that the absence of that spiritual leader in Israel's lives 
it caused them to fall into idolatry very quickly. If you read the book of Judges, it's, it's chock full of just sad stories of what people will end up doing and living and how they'll live when they have an absence of a spiritual leader. That's why it's so important for us to be tied to the body of Christ. That's why it's so important for us to make sure that we are under spiritual authority and have that submission to it in our lives. Furthermore, a hindrance to spiritual growth will be ungodly associations. Ungodly associations. I find too often times that people have misused the identity of Jesus Christ, how he was known by the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders. They looked at him as, a, as, as someone that fellowshiped or hung out with sinners. And sometimes they have taken that as a license to simply just engulf themselves and surround themselves with ungodly, ungodly influences. Have friendships and associations that will absolutely lead them in the, in the wrong direction. Though there's many examples I could give, Solomon was one of the ones that fell prey to this, even though he knew that he shouldn't do what he did. He did it anyways. And he married himself wives of different cultures and different religions and pagan religions. And his wives, the Bible very specifically says his wives turned his heart away from the living God and from worshiping the Lord God. Our associations matter. And regarding Jesus and being a friend of sinners, listen to this. Jesus, he didn't pull any punches with them either. He was a friend of sinners in that he let them know they are sinners. They are lost. They are sick and they need a physician. His association with them had one goal, to see them saved, to see them made whole, to see them restored. What is my association and friendship with people that are not born again, that are not living for God, that have ungodly influence in my life? What is my association with them? What is that leading to? What is the purpose of it? What is my mission of that friendship? We must examine those things. Why? Because it could be a hindrance to spiritual growth. There are too many times, there are too many times that I have sadly seen someone, especially new converts, coming to the church, freshly baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, starting to live for God, has ambition and aspiration to walk this walk, but so quickly they fade from the scene of the church. Why? Because they don't cut off those influences that continually drag them back into the muck and the mire of sin and immorality. It is of necessity, especially sometimes for new converts or individuals that are stagnant or backsliding in their spiritual growth, to have a separation. To say, you know what, I need to cut myself off from some things that are causing my life to be stagnant or even backsliding back into the things that God has saved me from. Somebody say amen. Ungodly associations will hinder spiritual growth. And listen, here's another one that sometimes we don't even pay attention to, but worldly success. We see this oftentimes in Scripture, but we see individuals that will increase in riches or increase in fame and fortune that quickly forget God and forget the source of their health and their prosperity, and they forget the Lord altogether. I've said this before, but it bears repeating that it's interesting to me that, that we will pray and pray and pray and that we'll get on our knees and we'll draw close to God and we'll beg God to deliver us from something or heal us of something or cause something to come in our lives that we so badly feel like we need. And then when we get it, we forget God. 
I don't know. I, I think, I, I, as I've said before, I think I'd rather be sick and saved than whole and lost. I don't believe that it's the will of God for me to be continually sick. But at the same time, I'd rather be saved than be poor or sick or any other thing that would be happening to my life. If it's keeping me on my knees, I ought to count it as a blessing. Oh, it might be a strange and an odd blessing, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's causing me to draw closer to God than pulling me back into this world. Worldly success, we must be aware of this danger that it could be a hindrance to our spiritual growth. It doesn't have to be, but it could be. Furthermore, shallowness, we find in the parable of the sower and the seed, we find that there was the seed that was sown among the rocks, and because it had no depth of earth, it did not put down or was not able to put down roots, that as soon as trouble or affliction would rise like the sun, it would scorch the plant and it would die. Even though it sprouted extremely quickly, it would die just as quick as it sprouted. That's why it's so important Brother Parker, you and I were just talking about this. It's so important that we take advantage of whatever season we find ourselves in, even if it's, it's a season that seems like it's a season of barrenness and, and we don't see any leaves or fruit coming during the season. We, need, we must take advantage of those winter months and those spring and autumn times where we could put down roots. We may not be bearing much fruit. We may not be showing much signs of great life, but you know what? This is a time where we put down roots. And in the context of our conversation, Brother Parker, we were, we were just talking about how even these past four months, five months, these times where we feel like we've been limited in how we can interact with the body or interact with people in general, it is during these times that perhaps we need to examine of whether or not this is intended by God for us to spend some time with Him, focused on the Word, focused on our relationship with Him. Why? Because if we get to a season of fruitfulness and we've got these large limbs that are expanding and this fruit that's weighing down those branches but we don't have root, we're going to topple and there's going to be failure. It's going to be a sad day. Shallowness, but shallowness is, is a result of simply not knowing or, or not spending time to know. But then there is another aspect of, of the parable of the sower and the seed where he said that there's some that don't grow they're not productive why because there's a love for the world the cares of life he said there's the seed that's sown among the thorns and because they, they're able to grow but they're never able to produce fruit why because of the thorns the thistles which represent the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches we must be careful of these hindrances of growth that might rise up in our life to stagnate or even cause us to backslide. Again, these are absence of spiritual leaders. Be tied together with spiritual leadership. Ungodly associations, worldly success, shallowness or no depth of root in your life or knowledge of the word and love for the world. Paul wrote to Timothy in his second letter and probably the last letter that Paul wrote in he writes this sad commentary about one believer's life. He says, Demas has forsaken me. He's left me. He used to be right there with me. We were working together. Maybe, this, maybe you could put someone else's name in this, in this scripture, that you, you could think of someone that was, that was there with us. They were there with you. They were laboring together with us. And Demas was one of those individuals, but he has left Paul. Paul, what happened to him? Where did he go? He says he's loved this present world. He fell prey to the attraction, the allure 
of what this world will promise. You see, the Lord expects maturity, and he expects fruitfulness. A good scripture to study and to examine is John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus, he says it so clearly. Jesus teaches by saying, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. And my father, he's the husbandman. The work of the spirit, the work of the word of God, is what's managing the productivity of what's going to happen through the life that is in me and those that are attached to me. In verse 2, he says, every branch in me, that's the key words right there, in me, in Christ, every branch that is in Christ. So it's a church member, it's a member of the body, it's someone that's born again, it's a child of God. Watch this, every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, that does not show signs of growth or forward progress, what does he say? What is he going to do to these branches? He takes them away. Every branch that bears fruit, though, we find that the husbandman prunes it or purges it, cuts off the things that are hindering growth, those, those associations, those, that, that, the shallowness, the, the lack of root. He purges those things. Why? So that it might bring forth more fruit, more fruit. Oh, what, what, what happens though? Sometimes we get hung up on past success in the spirit realm or in the church and we, we, we gloat about what we did and what we've accomplished. But listen, God's will again is always forward progress. Keep on going. Don't get hung up. Listen, don't get hung up on Pentecost. Why? Because Samaria is waiting and, and Acts 19 is about to happen. Keep going forward. God's will is for there to be more fruit. He said, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You see, the word brings a cleansing, abide in me and I in you. As, the, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. We've got to stay in Christ. We've got to be plugged into Christ. Listen, it's all, it's all about relationship with the Lord, guys. It's all about relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the body of Christ, and I'm thankful for the privilege of serving this body as a shepherd. But listen, you have got to have a connection with Jesus Christ. If I am not leading you to Christ, I am failing at my job. Our whole goal as a church ought to be leading others into a relationship with Jesus Christ, a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, where he could flow into you like rivers of living water. Oh, praise God. And like that good man, that blessed man in Psalm, you could constantly bear fruit. You don't have to wander. You don't have to dry up. You could always be fruitful. He said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Abide in me and I in you. The same, the same that abides in this way can bring forth much fruit. But without the Lord, we can do does anyone know what the next word is? We can do what without him? Nothing. We can do nothing. And that is something I try to constantly remind myself in prayer. Lord, I'm coming to you during my time of confession. Lord, not just to confess my sin or confess my faults or my failures, but Lord, I'm confessing that apart from you today, I could do nothing. Nothing of eternal significance or value will come from my life today without your help. Verse 6 of John 15, if a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire. They are burned. But if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you want or will, and it shall be done unto you. Verse 8, last verse of scripture here in John 15. Herein is my Father glorified. This is how God gets glory. That you, everyone say me. Me. 
that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. That's how you're going to be recognized. You're bearing fruit. Your life is productive in the kingdom of God. We often solely emphasize, and I'm guilty of it, we emphasize in the church and celebrate quantitative growth. How many of you guys got going to your church now? We, we talk about how many members, how many people attend the church. We talk about quantitative growth. We, we, we were this, but now we're growing to here, and, and the trajectory's good, and, and, and we're going to keep on growing. We've got lots of people coming, but unfortunately, if we focus solely on the quantitative growth or the numerical growth of the church, we could often undermine the importance of qualitative growth. Growth in quality. Listen, and it's essential. We must have spiritual growth. In fact, I'll say this. We must have both. It's not one or the other. It's not, well, you know what? We're a good church. We're a holy church. We're a godly church. We may not be a big church, but we're a holy church. Listen, you're only bragging on one wing of the plane. And a plane with one wing don't fly. God's will is for us to be a holy people. God's will is for us to be a spiritually mature people that show signs of the fruit of the Spirit, but also the gifts of the Spirit. But even beyond that, it's all for the building up of the body. Why? Because there's more souls just like you that are lost and blind and ignorant and need a Savior. Somebody say amen. You see, oftentimes we will so focus on growth in numbers and growth without maturity is unhealthy. We must have consistent and continual maturity among the members. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. <laughs> Again, someone enjoyed that way too much. Let's, let, let me give you some mile markers of maturity. Some mile markers of maturity. Signs of growth. Places along the way that we're growing. The first one is new birth. We're born again. We're born again. It's just like the natural, isn't it? Even before that, you might, you might with modern technology, you might monitor the growth of the infant while still in the womb, but once that baby's born, now we're really focusing on its growth, its maturity, its development. And so it is with the church. Our first introduction has to be that new birth. I want to stop at this point in the message and just reiterate and, and, and focus in on the fact that this is a church that is a spirit-filled church. We strive to be a spirit-led church. We believe that as Christ said in John 3, that a man, unless he is born again of water and the spirit, cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. We begin to mark that journey of, a spirit, uh, of a, the spirituality of a person. Sure, yes, there was a working of the Spirit. No man could come unto me except the Father draw him. We understand that someone, God is, listen, this is not to, to take away. This is not to take away of the work of God in someone's life long before they're born again. For we know, we should know and recognize that God was at work long before we ever met them, long before we ever saw them baptized, long before we ever witnessed them receiving the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit was at work in their life. But nonetheless, even with that said, 
we must never forget who we are and what's important here at the Refuge Church, what's important according to the Word of God. Listen, we are not just gathering a bunch of people that will call themselves believers and will sing with us and attend with us but are not being born again. We want to see souls born into the kingdom of God. We want to see that level, that first level of maturity where they are adopted as children of God. This is so important and we must never forget it. If Listen, if you or I have people that we say we love and we care about that have not yet been born again, make it your personal vision to see them, that God will use you to see them born again. Can we, can I, can I be satisfied with having what I call a loving friendship or relationship with someone that's not born again and call myself a friend of them if I don't care enough about their soul to pray, to pray, to pray, and to somehow reach them with the news that they must be born again. Somebody say amen. amen. Are we still an apostolic church? Are we still a Pentecostal church? Are we still a church that believes that the entrance into the body of Christ comes through baptism, comes through the infilling of the Spirit? We must not get away from that. Otherwise, we will fall prey to modern Christianity and perhaps even the prosperity gospel or this, this Christianity that really it might say it's Christianity, but it's nothing more than feel-good philosophy. It's new ageism. Hear me, church. There is a move within circles of so-called Christianity that is nothing more than new ageism and, and, and philosophical feel-good thinking and, and speeches where, where pastors become more coaches than pastors. They're no longer shepherds. They're just trying to get people to feel good about themselves. Listen, my job, I promise, my job, I don't look at as making, feel pe making people feel terrible about themselves, but at the same time, I don't want someone comfortable that is not yet born again either. I don't want someone comfortable at the cost of conviction. Somebody say amen. Amen. I don't want to cry peace, peace, when sudden destruction is awaiting them. So new birth, we find, is that first mile marker, but from new birth, there is the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't know where it is, you ought to know. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25 is a wonderful portion of Scripture that you should all, all know very, very well and be familiar with. The Bible says in Galatians 5, verse 22 and through 25, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And what... What causes God to be glorified when we bear much fruit? So if we're going to talk about growth and we're going to talk about growing with fruit, bearing much fruit, then we can't avoid the topic of the fruit of the Spirit because this, this is the other evidence of the Holy Ghost. Yes, we, we believe that the Word shows us that the first evidence of someone receiving the gift of the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is that you will speak in other tongues. You will speak words and sounds you don't understand, you weren't taught, you didn't learn, you're not imitating or mimicking someone, but listen, by a supernatural work of the Spirit, when you're filled with His Spirit, you will speak in other tongues. But listen, that's not the only evidence, it's just the first evidence. And we must understand as a church family that there should be further evidence that the Spirit is in us and the abiding work is continuing in our lives. 
and pay attention to the fact that the Bible says that this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. What's my point? My point is this. This is not a, 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 a smorgasbord. This is not a buffet. This is, this is not a pick some and leave others. When it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, that's not, well, you know what, I've got this, that, and, and the other, but you know what, you can leave the rest because uh, that and me don't jive. You know, that's just not me. That's not, that's not me. <laughs> well, that's why you were born again. <laughs> because there's a lot of stuff that was not you or is not you that needs to be you. And there was a lot of stuff that was in you and was you that needs to get out of you. Somebody say amen. Amen. We ought to have love and joy and peace. We ought to have long-suffering, gentleness and goodness. We ought to have faith, meekness, and temperance. And if you don't know what temperance is, you ought to get very acquainted with it. Perhaps a more familiar term is self-control, of which our, our, our world is, is lost, is, is desperately lost without it. He says, against such there is no law. Verse 24 and they that are Christ, here's the key, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust, the desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit because that is how the fruit of the Spirit is going to be manifest in our lives. Amen. Listen, it really does work. I was talking with a member of the church here just today, and uh, we were talking about how, uh, you know, just the effectiveness of, 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 of starting the day and incorporating in the day prayer and the word. And it's amazing what a difference it does. You know, it's, it's, it's really not rocket science, guys. You don't, you don't have to know all the Greek and the Hebrew and, and, and know the Bible forwards and backwards. Really, the key is just doing, getting back to the basics and saying, you know what, the most important thing that I could do on any given day is spend time with Jesus and his word. And when I do that, it will make the difference. It will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, listen, the, that, that orange tree, that healthy orange tree that's producing that harvest of oranges, I promise you, it's not, it's not, it's not busting blood vessels in its brain thinking, oh, oh I just, I just got to produce an orange, come on. Oh, it's so hard, it's just so difficult to produce these oranges. No, you know what it is? It's receiving life, it's giving life. It's receiving life, it's giving life. The tree is a conduit. The tree is just a vessel through which life flows. And that is what a believer is intended to be. That's what it's supposed to be like. That's what it's supposed to be like. Yes, you've got to cut out some things of your life. You ought to put off the works of the flesh. But when you cut out those hindrances to growth, it's just going to be a natural spring, guys. It's just going to happen. You, you, you probably won't even be able to, you know, sometimes we have a definitive line where things changed in our life. We have a definitive line. We perhaps have a moment, a prayer, we have a service, we have a message, something that happened that triggered just a definitive moment in our life. And perhaps you could look at Jacob, Jacob's life. Jacob wrestled with God, right? You know the story, he wrestled with God. And God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. A prince who has power with God. Instead of a lying, deceiving heel grabber. <laughs> Man, that's a great, great upgrade right there. But you know what? 
though that was a definitive moment in Jacob's life, you, you, you ought to read all that came before it. There was substantial change that happened through just small things and, and just a constant drip, 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 drip until Jacob was broken down. That night that his hip was put out of place and the sinew and the muscle shrank as the angel of the Lord touched it, listen, it changed the way he walked from that point forward. But you know what? That wasn't just the moment, the only moment that he was broken by God. God had caused him to be tricked by Laban for, for Rachel, instead gets Leah, and, and on and on. Jacob is going through this process, and listen, we ought to be faithful in just those small, continual, constant things. And when I prepare myself through prayer each day, it's just a little bit each day, it's just this constant drip, then I will arrive to a service where something, I will walk away and never be the same again. My name will be changed, I'll walk different, but it can through the process somebody say amen let's go on and I'll, I'll wrap this up you see when we grow we are not just gonna stay at new birth new birth is just the beginning it's just the doorway and then we go into the fruit of the Spirit but then we begin to grow in something called knowledge in the book of Hosea Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 it says God says my people they are destroyed they're my people that's right they're mine they carry my name I have a covenant with them. They're my people, but they're being destroyed. They're dying. Why? Because of the lack of knowledge. Why are they lacking knowledge? God, are you withholding knowledge from them? Are you keeping back this knowledge that they need? No. He goes on to say they've rejected knowledge. I've tried to give them revelation. I've tried to open up myself to them and show my glory to them, but they've rejected knowledge. We've got to grow in knowledge. Bible says they've forgotten the law of God. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 29 through 30, Jesus answering said unto them, you do err not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. Our, one, of the, one of Christianity um, believers that I've seen, especially those that have, have, have been swayed or, or, or backslid, it's sometimes it's just the fact that they, they have not known, they've not spent time in the word. They've rejected knowledge. That's the shallowness of earth, right? The seed that falls on that shallow ground, they don't have any root. It's simply because they did not get the knowledge they need. Listen, this knowledge is power. You've got to grow in knowledge. And the Bible, the Word of God, is the sworn enemy of ignorance. Early on in Leviticus 4.2, it says that they sinned through ignorance. In Romans 10.3, it says they were ignorant of God's righteousness. In Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul looks at those in Athens and says, you have ignorantly worshipped a false god. And the times of this ignorance God has winked at, but now he's commanding everywhere all men to repent. In 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 4, it says they were willingly ignorant and therefore they fell in sin and, and heresies. In Luke 19 verse 42 through 44, we find that Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they were ignorant of the time that they were living in. The word of God is a sworn enemy of ignorance. Listen, ignorance is not bliss and it's definitely not blessed. I don't need to know. I don't want to know. If I know, I'll be judged to court, you know. Yes, there's scriptures like that, but that does not give us license to just continue in ignorance willfully. Six times the Apostle Paul writes in his letters to the church, I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant. 
Do you think he was passionate about getting knowledge out to the church? Having them grow in knowledge? But you know what knowledge grows you to? It grows you to another level of spiritual maturity, and that is holiness. Holiness is a stage of maturity that every believer under the sound of my voice and that's listening to this recording, it is God's will for your life to grow from new birth to fruit of the Spirit, to knowledge, to holiness. Let me quickly go through this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, it says, God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. That's why God called us to holiness. Ephesians 4, 24, and that you should put on a new man, the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's what you should be putting on. Put off the works of the flesh. Put off that old and carnal nature that goes after fleshly desires, immoral, immoral desires. Put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In 1 Thessalonians 3.13, to the end, this is the goal, this is the target, that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. You want to know what is on God's target? You want to know what his bullseye is for your life? Is to establish you blamelessly in his holy holiness before God at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And the last stop that we'll talk about tonight of maturity is evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism and discipleship. We come into the kingdom through the new birth. We ought to ex uh, show signs of the fruit of the Spirit. We ought to grow in our knowledge of the, the Word of God and of the Lord and of the Spirit, the working of the Spirit. And that should pave way for holiness where we, we are called out. We are the called out ones. We are separate. But you know what? He didn't just wash you up and shine you up so he could put you up on a trophy shelf. All of you, all of us, we are intended to be soldiers in warfare. We are intended to be harvesters. We are intended to work in the harvest of the Lord. It's ready, it's ready, it's ready. You see, moving from immaturity to maturity means moving from a consumer mentality to a contributor mentality. Feed me, feed me, feed me should change to giving, giving, giving. You see, when we're born into the kingdom and we, sin we sincerely desire the word, that, that word that's like milk to a child, we're being fed, feed me, feed me. But that should progress to feeding ourselves. <laughs> Knowledge, holiness. Where you know what, it's not just Pastor Brown, Brother Walker, other teachers that are part of this, my wife, you know, that are teaching, whether in our classes or here on, on our services, it, it goes beyond that, where all of a sudden you pick up some habits where you are a self-feeder. I thank God that I don't have to feed, hand-feed my 14-year-old and an 11-year-old. <laughs> now, now, we'll instruct them and guide them and we'll prepare meals for them, but thank God they feed themselves. And you know what? They're even progressing to a point where we're like, you know what? You know where it is. <laughs> Go get it yourself. Praise God. We ought to progress and mature in our lives spiritually where we don't just need to be hand-fed. There is a time for that. There is a place for that. There is an importance in that. But we ought to grow beyond that where we are feeding ourselves. But that's not the end game, guys. The end game is not simply so you could feed yourself. 
and we could get fat on the word and the blessings of God. The end game is so that you could feed others. It's a cycle. It's a cycle where you were fed. Now you're feeding yourself, and now you're the one feeding others. Oh, praise God. Someone say amen. You see, the next wave of numerical growth here at the Refuge Church is going to happen when we, as a church family, when members of this church take another step in spiritual growth and maturity where every member is a minister, every person is contributing. What can I do? What can I give? How can I serve? Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14 was a sad portion of scripture found in Hebrews where the Apostle Paul says, for when, for the time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. It was a time that they should have been able to handle strong meat, but they hadn't developed, they hadn't matured, they hadn't grown up. He goes on in verse 14 of Hebrews 5, he says, But strong meat belongs to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. They have their senses exercised, exercised to discern both good and evil. Reason of use, reason of use. They have put into practice. They have applied the truth that they have received. They are doing what they have been hearing. Reason of use. They have exercised judgment. <laughs> why, do you have to, why do you have to keep certain objects, certain chemicals, certain cleaners, certain things away from small children, locked up? Why? Because they'll get into everything, right? They'll eat anything. But a mature person knows, no, I'm not going to drink bleach cleaner. No, I'm not going to eat out of the cat food bowl. There's an image that is just like ingrained in my mind. Our young people are going to come in soon. That's fine. But there's an image ingrained in my mind of when we were at our uh, last storefront that was in the front. So we were just two doors down from Dollar General, and there was an entryway. Some of you that were there remember there was where the front doors were, there was like a three-by-three three piece of linoleum. Like that was where everyone came in, you know, walked in, out of the elements, came in the building, just linoleum, and then it was all carpet. And I remember we had this partition that was about six foot high, so it was taller than me. <laughs> And I, I was looking for my son, and I come around the partition to see my son. He was not 14 at the time. He might have been three or two or whatever. And he was bent over on the linoleum floor, licking the linoleum. And on that day, we failed Parenting 101. You know, it's, it's a wonder to me how, you know, sometimes we could be born-again believers that know what the Word says. We've heard preaching, we're, we've heard teaching for weeks, months, years, decades, and still sometimes we choose not to exercise and use, use reasoning 
and using our senses to say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't lick the linoleum floor. Maybe I shouldn't ingest this music. Maybe I shouldn't be a part of this conversation. Maybe I shouldn't watch this filth. And somehow we throw out all senses and we participate in activities and put things into our bodies and are, are, are cultivating associations and friendships that we know good and well are toxic. And when you should have been able to handle meat, once again, we have to go back to the milk. But you know what? We serve, and I'm so thankful, we serve a patient father. <laughs> we serve a patient father that time and time again, he has taken us up in his arms and said again, eat this, not that. Walk this way, not that way. Your God loves you. He cares about you. And thus he wants to share with you this message because he wants us all to grow up. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your hand on our lives. Thank you for the body of Christ. It is your body. We should never forget that. We should always remember that it is your body. You are the head. We are the body. And Lord, it is your will for the body to grow. Your, the body to grow. I pray guide us, lead us by your spirit. Help us to mature. Help us to develop as your children, as believers. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Help us to apply the principles that we heard tonight. Let us examine the things that might be hindrances of growth in our lives. And Lord, apply again the basics of spiritual growth by spending time in your presence, spending time in your word, cultivating that growth, growing from new birth to fruit of the spirit, to knowledge, to holiness, to being someone that is feeding others, Lord, that is evangelizing, that is discipling, that is reaching the lost. In Jesus' name. Everyone say, in Jesus' name. Amen.